my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, my guest today is Alex Martin. He is the VP of Sales for CMECV, a SaaS-based HR technology platform that specializes in virtual fairs, video CVs, career portals, and virtual coaching. Alex has spent over a decade working in HR, both in global mobility, as well as seven years managing recruitment teams in Singapore and China. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adrian. Thanks for having me, mate. Awesome. Uh, for, to start off, could you help us to better understand a bit about your background and the chain of events that led you to CV? Sure, sure. Absolutely. So for me, my background, actually, I've always been in HR, actually, in some way or another, but always in Asia as well. I've got to be probably the only British guy who has absolutely zero UK working experience. But so I started in Singapore back in 2009 and I was working in mobility, so relocation services and that sort of thing. And then I moved into moved to China and ended up in recruitment, actually. So I joined Robert Walters, would have been back in 2014 and spent the next seven years doing that. It was an amazing experience. I had the chance to work in Shanghai and Singapore across a couple of different functions, but joined CMECV in March of this year, essentially because you know, I, I managed to get linked up with, with with the owner of this business. And let's be honest, in, in the recruitment world, technology is changing the way that we're doing a lot of things. And the way CV was approaching the market is quite exciting, quite innovative. But also the business has been around a really long time. They're very well established. So it was really exciting to be able to jump on board, join the team, and uh, be hopefully a big part of their growth story uh, over the last year or so. And, and why the name CV? Is there a story behind it? Yeah, actually, it's funny because so our our director and me are very much of the same opinion on this, and we've always felt like there's a certain amount of personal touch that's missing in the recruitment world sometimes. And when I was a recruiter, what I always used to say was that a CV tells you about as much about a candidate as a JD does about your company. And especially for so students, they don't really have the same footing to put their you know best put them best selves forward on a CV. And so CME CV actually our launch product back in 2006. It was a tool that allowed students based basically to embed video introductions into their job applications to help them stand out, get noticed, get seen, you know, you know, be seen as more than just their list of academic achievements and CCAs and things like this. And so it was very much born around that of the idea of seeing the candidate for the person they are beyond just what's on the pen to paper. We've changed a lot since then, but it's always products that we've developed beyond there, the career portals and the virtual career fairs. It's always been centered around this idea of um, uh, maximizing virtual engagement and using you know, digital tools to bring candidates and, and applications to life, really. And, and Career Fair, obviously, have been around for quite some time. I personally mm. participated in many of them when I was still in the recruitment business. Mm. And of course, it has since evolved a fair bit, going into fancy things like uh, speed dating concept. You have, of course, mm. the virtual yeah. career fair. You have some companies trying to have the VR angle as well. Could you give us an understanding of how Career Fair has evolved since it started maybe like in 2010 or even earlier? Yeah, no, it's interesting actually because... Where you've seen, it's like any innovation, you see kind of small changes happening over a period of time, and then you just get that catalyst, and COVID was that catalyst. So since 2010, the, the changes have been incremental. It's been a, a slightly new concept here, a, a slightly new application there. But since 2020 with COVID, 
what you've seen is this uh, very rapid branch out of different modes of executing career fairs, obviously, all, all, albeit almost all virtual. And one of the changes, actually, so a couple of things, like one of them would be we're seeing more and more corporates doing their own career fairs. Uh, I think when, we, when you had the physical career fairs, it tended to be that uh, that was going to be universities or it was going to be you know, multinationals who are going to be hiring at scale at the graduate level. That was when a physical career fair made sense. But now there's this opportunity to go online and take a lot of this online. We're seeing more and more corporates delving into this and using career fairs at various stages of kind of the application process, some purely almost in purely for an employer branding exercise versus exclusively recruitment and assessment centers and things like this. But also, so as I say, when you look at the last 18, 24 months, the word virtual career fair has come to mean a number of different things. Exactly to your point, you've got some companies that are, we, we actually saw quite a lot, especially in 2020, of companies saying we're doing a virtual career fair, but essentially it was a Zoom webinar with breakout rooms and things like this, but no, that had limited call to action. You had the kind of speed dating softwares, you had immersive virtual career fairs. Then to your, to your point, you had things like VR where it went full immersive, although that's still in, in the early stages. And I think what's interesting then is that um, from a candidate's perspective, the companies have experienced these one at a time by themselves. But if you're a candidate, especially if you're an early careers candidate, they've had a chance to experience you know, what it's like to do it on a webinar, what it's like to do it on an immersive virtual career fair. And while in 2020, they may have been quite forgiving because a lot of this stuff was quite new, there's now in 2021, there's quite an elevated expectation. So if you're a candidate who's attending a virtual career fair, they're really expecting you know, something very detailed, very immersive and very engaging. So we have one client, for example, you know, they we were talking to them about doing a virtual career fair. They basically wanted to do this whole kind of process across all of APAC. I think there were 10 countries in total. They're anticipating between 300 to 1,000 people per country. And they were a big brand, and I won't name them because it went wrong. <laughs> they were a big brand and they were anticipating these big numbers. And in the end, versus an uh, immersive virtual career fair like what we do, that's 3D booths, et cetera, et cetera, they decided, you know what, we'll just do a webinar. It's fine. We'll do Q&A rooms and things like this. And they went from anticipating three and 300 to 1,000 people per location, of uh, 10 locations, to having a total uh, attendance of 500 people. And this was a mainstay um, FMCG brand. And that was just one of these examples of where if you've not made it A, easy to access and B, interesting and engaging, you just can't rely on your brand to pull it anymore because there's just, it's such a busy space. There are so many invites going out per candidate for these events. So corporates are really having to step up their game if they're trying to appeal to people. So yeah, I think that's probably one of the major changes. But now what we're seeing is that in the immersive virtual career space, so when I say immersive virtual career fair, essentially what I'm referencing is what we do, which is where we've essentially tried to replicate the physical environment where you've got booths, content, speakers, auditoriums for kind of one-to-many videos and engagement and things like this. So it's replicating the physical career fair environment. And one of the things that we're seeing is that the differentiators are how the platform promotes engagement and connectivity. Because it's not just about providing the platform, it's about how do you have those functions that create the engagement that try and pull students into chats or pull candidates into chats to make the whole thing more, to, to be able to gauge and measure that ROI. And that would be the final thing that I'd say in how things have changed where if you were to reverse back to kind of 2010 to 2015, you have these virtual career fairs, kind of your major metric would be how many applications did we get? How many attendees, how many registrations did we have? How many attendees did that convert to? And of the attendees, how many applications did that convert to? 
But now what we're doing and what we're finding the expectation of corporates is they want to know the minutia. They want to know, for example, how did our HR booth perform compared to our finance booth? What was the average length of the chats that were taking place? What was the demographic of um, individual who attended the fair. So there's a lot of uh, utilization of that data now that has changed the way in which virtual career fairs are being used and but more importantly, how we're measuring the return on investment. So that's something that never occurred to me using the data you can collect through a virtual career fair mm. to, of course, do better and try to maybe fine-tune how you can approach career fair in the future. But yeah. before that, maybe we can also take a step back. Would career fair be suitable for all employees out there? Because I do recall when it was much more in a physical setting, I've been involved in a career fair where, mm. of course, you have Google in one corner and they have a long line mm. of queue and the rest <laughs> of the companies are practically struggling to get any form of attention. Despite all the games, the Wheel of Fortune stuff that they have at their booth, no one is patronizing them. Is it something unique to the industry, to a company with a solid brand name, or are there things that also bear in mind when they appear to a career fair and not just to take things for granted? It's a great question. It's a great question. So, because essentially there's two kind of topics here. So there's engaging. So for example, you've referenced classic case of the university career fairs or alternatively we do some with um, some of the larger associations here in Singapore and you do find you know those big brands they're always going to have that pull but some of the stuff that you can do for example is that makes it useful for a smaller business is that at least in our setup for example let's say I'm a smaller run number well, let's say I'm CME CV at a graduate career fair we're a smaller business I'm, I'm not going to have a queue like Google has but I am going to be able to reach out to students before the event itself to connect to them I can send them information beforehand to invite them to the booth I can also understand for example who's at the fair and who's relevant to me so for example at a physical career fair You've got this whole environment of, let's say, 1,000, 2,000 students. And the big question is, who am I missing out on? They're not coming to my booth, so I've got to go out there and get to them. But I'm not going to wander the hall and talk to 1,000 students in the hope I find my one person who would be great for my technology internship program. Whereas, obviously, in a virtual world, you can seek out those most relevant candidates and connect with them directly and bring them to the booth and things like this. So it, you can be a bit more surgical as a smaller brand in, a, in an event like this versus what you'd have at a physical career fair. So that's one. And then the other one was in terms of considering doing your own career fair. I mean, this is what's interesting. When I mentioned that there's before there's so many more corporates doing their own career fairs, I'm one of the reasons for that is because there's just a lower cost to entry. We've seen... so. Where we've seen it make sense and where we've seen clients make successes out of it has been when they're trying to launch their brand in, in an immersive virtual career fair. They can There's a lot more content that you can give out that's consumable and retainable. With graduate and volume recruitment, obviously the same thing. You get the opportunity to do you know, group chats, get them to meet alumnus, get them to do the mass level engagement. Or if you're trying to scale at speed and you just don't have the resources to interview the volume of people that you, you're looking to hire, you've got a team of five and you're setting up a shared service center in Malaysia. How do you, and you've got 300 hires over the next year. How do you physically manage those interviews? So you utilize a virtual career fair to, for that part of that screening process. But I think that one of the biggest myths is that you have to be a big company to have a virtual career fair. You have to be a Unilever or an IBM or someone like this. And we've had some where they've done these virtual career fairs essentially as a branding exercise. Now we have one client, for example, they were, I, I use the word small, it's not it's relatively small compared to MNCs. I think they have maybe 2,000 people in the region. And essentially what they did, the virtual career fair force, they only had two openings for their graduate career scheme. 
But what they wanted to do was essentially they recognized that we're going to want these people down the line. Even if we can't hire them now, we want people to know who we are so that we're not playing catch up with our brand two, three, five, ten years down the line. So they do these large scale events where they try where they attract um, you know candidates in to learn more about the business, about where they're going. I mean, actually, <laughs> interestingly, those, those are also that that those early careers were also the target market. So they used it as an opportunity to to promote their brand as well. But yet, essentially, when you're considering whether or not a, a career fair makes sense for you, it ultimately comes down to what your objective is. If you're looking to if you're doing an immersive virtual career fair, then your question is how much engagement do I need? How much do I need to emphasize my brand messaging here? Then immersive virtual career fair makes sense. But again, there's different platforms depending on what your ultimate goal or objective is. That was a very long-winded answer to your question, but I'm, I'm, I hope I came back around to answering it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the elaboration. So I do understand that in a way help to put other companies, smaller companies especially, on the equal footing uh, with the larger peers that may also be in the mm. same fair. It, it's, I guess it's something that will be very hard to achieve in a physical setting because you have mm. all the bells and whistles and most likely whenever we've gone to a trade show, so for those of you who may not have been to one before, many years back, yes, we do all this in a physical setting. And of course, the, the bigger company, the richer company can always afford the very fanciful stuff. People may remember the giant air balloon people put up just above their booth <laughs> to attract yeah. all the eyeball, to attract all the attention. And of course, all the freebies, all the giveaways. In a virtual career fair of course all that would not be possible Absolutely. but you're also saying that you can also be a bit more surgical because of the interaction could you elaborate more on that because definitely something would be lost in a virtual career fair versus a physical one because as someone who have exhibited in a physical career fair before there are people i can just reach my hand out and pull them to my booth have a chat or try to capture their attention, which I, I find sometimes that might become something meaningful. So in a virtual career fest, I think you mentioned it could be also very targeted. Could you explain mm. a bit more on how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So in, to your point, it levels the playing field because, for example, the attraction goes both ways. So in so when you mentioned about being able to reach out and physically pull someone to my booth, if let's say you're talking about a career fair environment, for a lot of businesses, there, there's a certain there's a certain profile of candidate they're looking for. And there's nothing worse than you, know, you, you pull someone into your booth, you have an engaging chat, only to realize that they're not really what you're looking for. You're not really what they're looking for. I mean, you go through that a certain amount of times and you have a limited time in the day, it's it becomes challenging. And also, obviously, you don't stray kind of too far from your booth or because you've got a limited number of resources who can be there at the booth. Now, in a virtual career fair, for example, the way that I'd approach it is I've got my booth, I've got my chat room set up. And so while I'm waiting, for example, I'm sitting in my chat room waiting for, you know, uh, someone to pop in the same way you would be at your booth in a physical career fair, waiting for someone to stop by. You are able to search for visitors. You can filter them out. So let's say, for example, I'm, I've got a, my internship program. I'm ideally looking for people who are graduate in, in, in this coming cohort. I'm looking for people who ideally come from a business studies background, for example. And I can immediately start filtering and I've got all the profiles there and I can start to see the CVs. I don't have to bring them there and then get them to give me their CV. So I can actually start viewing their CVs and going, okay, these people actually might be quite relevant for our business. So then I'm going to reach out to them through the platform and say, hey, this is Alex from See Me CV. You know, I know it's your profile and I'd love to have a chat and share a bit more with you about my business. Or we have, there's a link here if you want to come to our booth and take a look at some of our jobs. They come to the booth and you immediately you're having a relevant discussion, but also for 
visitors, it's a lot less intimidating because one of the things that we found was for a student, they like to engage with content before they've before having a discussion. So if they have the choice of, do I want to you know, just go straight into a conversation with someone where I don't know who they are, I don't know whether, is this an interview or is this kind of a get to know you session? I don't know much about the business. In a physical environment, it's very hard for a student to control that engagement or for a candidate to control that engagement. So the way that it's working here is I'm bringing them to my booth, but then in their own time, they're seeing the video or I've got a video that introduces myself, my business, what we're doing here today, you know, what we're hoping to achieve. You can uh, look at the, you can read through the case study of successful graduates in our previous programs, and then you can click the link to join my chat. So you've had a chance to get warmed up and understand what we're about. So it, it it's, while in terms of, like you say, just that in, in the physical engagement, being able to just grab someone and immediately engage in a conversation, one of the advantages of using that virtual is that you do have those avenues for targeting your conversations and allowing a graduate to, or a, a candidate to choose their level of engagement also. And for companies that, of course, want to really just reaching out to someone to let them know, hey, you're suitable, it's interesting, we'd like to speak with you, would be a great way to really go out and in an outbound manner, try to target them. Mm. But what about when it comes to inbound? Definitely, you may not have the time, the bandwidth to cover everyone. Mm. When it comes to a virtual career fairs, are there things that employers, exhibitors can do to help them shine, uh, to mm. draw more inbound interest to their booth, to understand more over and above just going out there and do outbound through brute force? Yeah, great question. So, And this is where when we talk about leveling, leveling the playing field, for example, if you're GSK or if you're Coca-Cola and you're and you're in a virtual career fair along with CMECV, we've got the same booth size. We've got the same opportunity to engage and, and to create content. So what we find is if you look at any of the fairs, number the, one of the number one determinants outside brand, which is unavoidable, but one of the number one determinants of the level of engagement is the content that you've put into your booth. So a great example. So, uh, you know, we did a focus group with a series of students from SMU. And what they were saying, for example, was that they they like video engagement the most. So they'll be most likely to go to a booth and stay at a booth. It's not just about visiting, it's about that stickiness. They're most likely to stay at a booth if there was video content. It doesn't have to be overproduced. They were saying even for just like the job, rather than just having a JD that talks about the career program, but have a video that has someone from the career program saying for 20 seconds, 30 seconds about what it's like to work in this program. Have the head of the graduate program or have the HR person to do a 20, 30 second video saying, here's what we're looking for and here's what it's like to join our business and here's our mission and what we're about. And when you have when you have these booths that have a lot of that content, you do find that there's a very high level of engagement. So I, I would say that if you're in a virtual career fair as a guest exhibitor, then that's essentially the only thing that's within your control. If you're running your own virtual career fair, then obviously that gives you a lot more freedom. And a lot of that is surrounding, for example, the we actually did a, a webinar on this recently on kind of the checklist for success for running your own event. One of the number one things was pre-event marketing, telling students what to expect, what there's going to be, and making sure that there's content, engaging content with Q&A. You have the discussions from alumnus, you have presentations from senior leaders, but also you have chance for those one-on-ones or group chats, a meet the team type environment, and that there's pre-recorded videos, et cetera, et cetera. So making sure that you have a lot of content that's engaging. Students have the opportunity to, to actually talk to people one-on-one or in small group chats, and that also that pre-event marketing emphasizes a lot of that messaging. So once you get people in, it's about making sure that your message is understood. And again, that's where some of the analytics comes to help. 
So I mean, just in terms of standing out again, I'd just say just making sure that your content speaks to your audience. So again, don't worry about, especially if it's clearly careers, don't worry about a super overproduced video. I think a lot of businesses overthink this. But what they want to see sometimes is just two people just like them who have been in the program for a couple of years doing a Q&A session about what it's like to work for this business, for example. Got it. And I, I totally understand where you're coming from on the overly produced video. And to the extent, some people may not even have the video ready by the time they need to showcase it because there's just so much to <laughs> exactly. be done, so much to be produced. I personally suffer from that as I'm going through this uh, journey of uh, creating a YouTube channel. And oftentimes I would go through that stage and that thought process. Now, going back to our discussion uh, we have, of course, identified how employers, uh, what they can do to help mm. them shine, to help them drive more traffic, to to share more about what they're doing. Now, how about from a candidate perspective, if you were to turn up at a career fair, what if no one is reaching out to me? What could a candidate actually do in order to be highly visible by the employers out there? Is there any things that he or she can actually control within a virtual fair environment in order to get mm. that publicity and the spotlight on him or her? Yeah, no, it's, it's another great question. Actually, what, what I would say is that sometimes it's the simple stuff. So one statistic which may help, for example, would be that if you look at a lot of the virtual career fairs, you do find that a number of students decide, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to watch the material, and then I'm going to, but they don't join in the chat rooms or they're a bit, I say, they don't want to go, <laughs> they don't want to go and chat to someone because they don't know what the objective is. They think, oh, just easier, I just apply. Now, as with anything, that engagement element will always put you a step above. So if you're thinking as a student or as a candidate, oh, I'll, I'll just apply. I've read the material. It's a really interesting business. I'll send in my application. You're missing out on really standing out because usually the people who have been sent to the fair, they are the first round of interviews. So the first, pe the first people who would be viewing the applications from the fair, those are the people who are at the fair waiting to talk to you. So my number one piece of advice is go into the chat room. So you don't have to go in with a complex game plan. Just be yourself, have a bit of an introduction, ask, prepare three to five smart questions, probably three is enough, smart questions about the business that show you've done your research. Because if you look at the metrics, it's only maybe for students um, in particular or early careers talent, it's always on the lower end. For mid-career professionals, it tends to be much conversion for for attendance to chat rooms. But for students in early careers, it's usually under 20%. So basically one in five will join a chat room. So that's your first easiest thing that you can control is go and actually talk to the employers you're interested in. So you can tailor your application as well to make it smart. The other thing is that if you feel it's gone well after your chat, ask for their permission to connect with them on LinkedIn afterwards. They'll very rarely say no. And that's why I say if the conversation's gone, they'll very rarely say no. And it helps keep you on their radar because, heck, even if you don't end up joining their business on this occasion, maintaining that connection makes it a lot easier for you to maintain a relationship and reach out in the future as well. So it's just that that smart personal branding. And then like I said, other than that, there's stuff that you can do just in terms of standing out in terms of your CV. So there's, and, and I think a lot of people feel this is a bit too bold, but it does work. And we do actually have this function in our fairs for video CVs. So doing a video introduction or something like this to help you stand out in your application, because nine times out of 10, even if just for curiosity, because it's different, an HR will click that link and they'll want to see or, or they'll watch that video because they want to see the person behind the CV. So I know that it's it can be 
it's quite funny because the typical mentality is, uh, especially among early careers, they're a bit shy to stand out. They want to just go through the rhythm. Okay, they want me to apply. Then when I apply, then they'll invite me to an interview, et cetera, et cetera. But if you really want to stand out, you've got to try and break out of that and do something different. And those would be some examples from basic to more um, intimidating. <laughs> Having seen so many young people jumping on the TikTok, I wouldn't exactly mm-hmm. say that they are shy. Oh, think- no, but they're shy when it comes to the uh, when it comes to these first level conversations because t- TikTok, you, it's something about broadcasting to a large audience. This is a generation that would rather that you will you WhatsApp them than call them. Completely understand that. As as we move forward into the post COVID environment, where mm-hmm. do you see the future of virtual career fair? I, I'm very certain over the past two years, engagement must be really high because companies cannot do physical one just like. We cannot meet in person. Everyone has turned to Teams, to Zoom. In the case of career fair, as we move into a new normal, do you still see it as something moving forward? And how do you expect it to continue to evolve as we continue to move ahead? Yeah, and this is the multi-million dollar question, really. But the way that we see it from the conversations we've been having with our clients Virtual is here to stay. It probably just isn't going to stay in its exclusive format that it currently is as a result of COVID. So so just to highlight kind of where where virtual will still have its place in a physical world, there's certain stuff that you just can't bring back. When you go physical, you do lose that freedom of geography. We had one client, they were doing a a connection session for graduates, and this was a kind of a ballot kampong kind of thing. They wanted Singaporeans to come home and join their business. So they were connecting with people from 14 geographies for this career fair. Impossible in a physical world. There's the lower cost. So for smaller businesses, these virtual career fairs, still they're easier to set up, easier to manage, and more cost-effective. And then the data and analytics are, are, are something that you just can't replicate in the physical world. But there's some cool things, and I'll talk about that in a sec, but there's some cool stuff that I see being the future of the virtual career fairs. But just in terms of the trend of what we think you know, the future is going to look like post-COVID, I think most people would say quite comfortably it's going to be a hybrid. You're going to have a, a, a combination of physical and virtual events. You know, for, for some businesses, it's going to be exclusively one or the other, depending on their resources they have available or what the requirements are for who they're reaching out to, the geographical spread and whatnot. But for some, it's going to be a mix, especially for, say, universities or for large organizations. And there's a couple of different ways where of how that might look. The first would be doing concurrent hybrid model. So that's where you'd have essentially the physical and the virtual taking place at the same time. So what's taking place on the stage of the physical event is getting streamed into the virtual event, as well as having people manning the booths at the physical event. You'd also have um, users there to handle the virtual chat rooms, for example. So that's one way that it might look. The other is doing kind of a lead-in hybrid, which is where you have your use your virtual for scale. That's where we're going to get our thousand people from around the region that's where we're going to get our, our large scale engagement about that's the emphasis is on education it's on branding it's on who are we as a business get the interest have the call to action of having them apply and then the second round of the career fair is going to be for those shortlisted candidates let's bring them to the office let's have a bit more of an assessment day where they get to you know meet face to face some of the business leaders for for they get to go through some type of engagements or assessments that are easier to do in person. So we use that for the smaller scale events. So just we use that that virtual world as our funneling tool, essentially. So that's the other one. And, and we're actually currently exploring with a lot of our clients a number of different adaptations, both on kind of the existing platform as well as potentially new products that delve into this world. So I think the next couple of years is going to be very exciting as we see the application of hybrid models of utilizing both and also potentially hybrid models that digitize the physical experience. And that's where just looking at the analytics, I think that one of the things that 
we're going to see is, and I hope so, is using the analytics to do more interesting things. So for example, so two things. So first would be, we had one client where after the fair, they said, the performance of our HR booth was shocking. No, no big surprise. Everyone went to the tech booth. A lot of people went to the sales booth, but almost no one came to the HR booth. And it was after a number of rounds of discussion where we, where our assumptions came to us, hey, I think that if we look at the people who did come to your, they did come to your booth, they were people whose degree or whose work experience had allowed them to actually have a bit more exposure to the world of HR. So there was, we were saying that maybe... From what we could tell, there was a big kind of gap in the education piece of do people in early careers understand what a career in HR really means? You know, if you've recruited HR, if you've worked HR like I have, I think HR is severely underappreciated sometimes in terms of the contributions it makes to the business, its strategic role within a business. I think especially within early careers, there's a portion of the education that's required. And having that data of seeing who visited the booth, who was interested, because it doesn't just have to be applied. We can actually see tended to to that booth. Um, you know, allowing, uh, seeing that background, we were able to say, look, next fair, what we're going to do, let's find some ways to do some myth busting. So we'll have someone from finance, someone from HR, they'll do a myth busting session on, here's what you didn't know about a career in HR to try and boost that interest and also have, you know, a couple of different engagements that draw people directly to the HR booth. So using some of these analytics, that's the very basic stuff. But what I think is going to be really cool is that there was a great example at a physical career fair of something that someone did from a DNI perspective of debiasing their recruitment process because they realized that they were quite in, in terms of the, the recruitment process, it was quite predictable in terms of who got when they looked at the analytics. And so what they did was, this, I can't remember if I said this for a hotel, what they did was they told all the, the senior managers, we're going to be doing a, a career fair. And we're going to be inviting the selected applicants to come to the hotel and you can meet them, you'll mingle, and then we'll take things from there. You can tell us who you liked. And all the line managers said, okay, great. We look forward to the CVs. And the HR never sent them the CVs. Virtually, the physical career fair came that day. People came in and they got to introduce each other and they were saying, hey, I really like girl Mandy or I really like that guy, you know, Josh or whatever. And then they were showed the CVs and they realized that they would never, ever have chosen these people based on their CVs. It was only from that engagement. So this is where I also think that there's some really interesting stuff that you can do with kind of DNI and debiasing processes by taking things online. You're able to do pre-selection without kind of pre-CV or pre before you you don't have the data on the gender or you don't have the data on uh, kind of nationality or things like this. It just looks at, for example, experiences, scores of an introduction to themselves or something like this. And they select interviews based on that. Or alternatively using, for example, you have, we have the demographics whenever you have these fairs. One of our clients, for example, one of the things that they wanted to do was to make sure they were tracking, for example, what's my demographics when it comes to who has attended my fair from a gender perspective, 70% male, 30% female or whatever it may be. And then they wanted to see, okay, and at the fair, did that then translate into chats and interviews? Were people being invited on that along that same line? So they were using the DNI metrics actually to understand how their recruiters selected people to interview during the course of a process. So I think when you look, just look at the ease of accessing that data, you know, there's a lot of different and interesting things you can do with virtual career fairs. And that's something that I look forward to exploring with our clients as we continue to mature the application of these products together. And obviously, all this would never be possible or almost impossible in a physical setting because collecting analytics metrics, that's almost impossible when you're dealing with so many people, so many uh, crowd in a physical setting. And also, the DNA part really makes a lot of sense. In a physical setting, once you turn up, that's it. No matter how you try to control for it, automatically the bias would 
kick in unless everyone is wearing squid game masks or something <laughs> and that's not going to happen <laughs> so I think, I, I think many people wouldn't turn up once they saw the masks anyway <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's true for people who's uh, keen to learn more about what you do as well as see me cv where, where can you go to sure well, they can go to the website www.cmecv.com or they can always reach out to me so alex.martin at cmecv.com Otherwise, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. So Alex Martin on LinkedIn. I'm, I'll be there under See Me CV. So any, any of those modes, feel free to reach out. And and if you subscribe to the See Me CV LinkedIn page as well, we do have a lot of webinars and stuff that we put on that's quite educational. So that would be, uh, if you subscribe, then obviously it just makes sure that you can keep in touch with us, informing our clients and and, and now subscribers on what's the latest happenings in the, in the virtual career fair world. Great. All that will be added in the show notes. Alex, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Lovely speaking with you today. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Hunt Show.